You're listening to the B Fox and B Frank show. Pretty straightforward week of college football. Um, I mean, everybody in the top 10 won. So let's start at the top Alabama, Mississippi State. Pretty much what we expected another straightforward performance, another dominating effort by Alabama's defense. Super boring game. Like, as boring as you could get. Alabama didn't cover, they still won 24 0, and they dominated the ground game of Mississippi State. Nick Fitzgerald carried it 17 times, 14 times for negative 23 yards. Uh, That is his strong suit in his game. If you hold him to that, you're going to win a lot of the time. And uh, typically Mississippi State won't score very much. Trying to throw the ball, he was 11 of 20, 125 yards, nothing doing. Tua was nothing spectacular, but honestly, all he had to do was score once and we knew this game would be over. Yeah, and Mississippi State still has a, a solid defense in their own right. But, yeah, I mean, Alabama got five sacks. Mississippi State got six first downs. That's, you yep. know, not going not gonna to get the job done. Um, yeah, obviously, Fitzgerald has been much better this year as a runner versus as a passer. So taking away that aspect of the game really makes Mississippi State zero-dimensional offense. Yeah. And, yeah, they just really didn't have a shot. The uh, the officials didn't do them any favors either. Phantom penalty brought back their one yeah. touchdown of the game. Missed an Alabama fumble on the opening drive um, that, of course, wasn't called. And then Alabama scored a touchdown and just kind of off to the races from that. But, yeah, Mississippi State was just pretty, pretty overmatched. Yeah, you know, I'm, I mean, I don't think – Last week, either of us really gave Mississippi State any bit of a chance. They haven't played particularly well against the better part of the SEC, and nothing they had done this season was told us that they would ever really put up a fight in this game. Right. Um, so I guess we were, we were right on that front. God, I love um, being right. <laughs> um, Clemson also uh, was – Supposed to maybe be tested, but it was equally as not close. Uh, BC scored on a punt return touchdown early, put them up 7 3. That's about it. Clemson should have won by a lot more. The final is 27 7. They clinched the ACC Atlantic, which I mean, we kind of assumed would happen, but finally made it official. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty dominating performance for Clemson, too. Yeah, I mean, quarterback changes, issues for BC. A.J. Dillon never really got going. The defensive line for BC actually played pretty well. Zach Allen's a great pass rusher, and he can disrupt the run a little bit. We haven't seen it as much this year, but he was definitely causing some problems. Other than that, though, it's just pure talent wins out every time. You know, Travis Etienne was just toying with the secondary of – Boston College when he'd break free on a couple different runs and there's not really much you can do if your best player isn't gonna you know isn't able to produce over 40 yards of offense yeah if uh if there's one thing to kind of nitpick um Clemson's point of view would be more so like red zone efficiency um so if I was just flipping back between this and Notre Dame beating up on Florida State, and I felt like every time I flipped back, they were inside the 15 um, of BC. But the thing that was kind of keeping Boston College in it was, you know, just making sure those only turn into three-point trips. But 
eventually Clemson really wore him down and the fact that, you know, EJ Perry coming off the bench wasn't really able to generate any offense um, kind of made the difference. I think they had like near the end of the first half, they were sharing a stat or BC had like one yard in the second quarter. Like that's, it's not going to get it done. You're not going to win many games. They, uh, yeah, you're right though. The defense stood tall when BC needed them. They really had a chance way longer than they should have. I mean, after the seven, three, Clemson came back, scored very quickly, got the ball back very quickly, but then the Eagles defense was able to force a field goal. And then, you know, they get a decent field position, had a chance to kind of move the ball around and just couldn't do it. They had, I think, three straight runs with A.J. Dillon. He picked up nine on the first two and then couldn't get the first down. And I mean, that was the game pretty much right there. Yeah, they weren't necessarily like playing well, but they were just within striking distance where, you know, it wasn't a a foregone conclusion, but at a certain point, you're going to have to play well, do something on offense. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. The other uh, big SEC matchup, Georgia Auburn, similar theme here. Uh, Georgia's dominating run game over 300 yards on the ground, led by Swift and Holyfield. Once again, Uh, 27, 10 win for Georgia. Um, I mean, I'd say they, they still pretty much control their own destiny when you say, cause yeah. if they end up winning out, beating Alabama in the SEC title game, I think that's for sure a playoff team. They are. And the committee is adding the point of emphasis. I mean, I think they had it last year, but I know for sure this year it's an even bigger point of emphasis in air quotes, uh, conference championships. Alabama didn't win the SEC last year. Exactly. People do forget that. Um, it's it's whatever is convenient. For, you know who won? You know who won their conference championship? Central Florida, UCF. Yeah, yeah, makes you think. But yeah, I, I mean the ground game gets going, and that's all Georgia really needs. Like Fromm is perfect in that secondary uh, capacity and position where he isn't forced to do it all. That's when he thrives. You know, when he's in the twenty to twenty-five throws a game, that's where he is really at his best, and we saw it in this game. He did have an interception, but, I mean, two touchdowns, 193 yards. The ground game was killing it. And Auburn's offense did not show any real signs of life in this game. Yeah, he's, he's more talented than, you know, a, uh, a prototypical, like, game manager. Joe um, Burrow. Oh, God. I mean, <laughs> Joe, Joe Burrow is beneath that. Uh, yeah. But – yeah, like Jake Fromm is obviously talented enough to, you know, make plays on his own. The fact that he's able to remain the starting quarterback with Justin Fields waiting in the wings would tell you that. Um, also, the fact that, you know, as a freshman, he took them to the national title and very, very close to winning it last year. But, yeah, I mean, when Georgia gets rolling like this, um, they took away anything deep for, uh, Auburn, Jared Siddham threw it 36 times, only 163 passing yards, which tells you that they're just giving him short throws. They're not letting him do anything over the top. And kind of Auburn's season, I would say, has been pretty disappointing from the expectations preseason. They were never able to really get the passing offense clicking as much as they would have liked, especially once it got into the, the nitty-gritty of the SEC season. Yeah, the- 
I mean, this is just stunning, like how far Auburn has fallen off, fallen off from where they were early in the season, where kind of we expected them to be. And especially given the fact that it's the offense that's letting them down. We thought, you know, we had been saying that Stidham is the most talented of the quarterbacks in the conference. This is their strong point, you know, get him the ball and he's going to make plays. And for the first couple games of the year, it kind of looked like that was coming true. And then things just started falling apart. They're always going to have a good defense. How good is tough to tell. Obviously, they got thrashed on the ground in this one, but they were in the game pretty much the entire time. Yeah, it was, uh, it's kind of a bad beat for those of us having Auburn plus 14 and a half. Um, Hate to see it. Surprisingly, that was actually the closest out of the ranked matchups. The last one, Ohio State, Michigan State, was just Big Ten football at its worst. Yeah, uh, Michigan State has really struggled to to move the ball at all. Tried two different quarterbacks in this one, Lewerke and Lombardi. They finished a combined eighteen for forty eight through the air, um, which is not great. Bad. To, took an intentional safety that. Did not look smart at the time and then kept on backfiring uh, right <laughs> after that. Um, but, I mean, good win for Ohio State. The, the Purdue loss does not, has not looked any better after no. the fact, especially with the, the Boilermakers getting blown out by a bad Minnesota team uh, this week. But, I mean, they're still technically alive in the playoff race, but with everybody ahead of them also winning... It's more just survive this is than anything else. Yeah, this is what I don't get about the playoff rankings. If you are down to a, I mean, let's take conference, like right now, if you're looking at it right now, if you're down to LSU versus Ohio State, who on God's green earth is putting Ohio State in over LSU? Yes, I understand LSU has two losses, but their two losses are infinitely better than a loss, like a blowout loss against Purdue. Right. So no, I, I and that's why I don't get like what is the criteria. This is the thing that they the committee continues to struggle with is that they just kind of put numbers next to teams' names once you get past six, and it doesn't make any sense because it, the way it should be looked at is if these are the two teams fighting for the fourth spot, who's in front of them, and that's not how it works at all, or at least not logically. Yeah, I mean to be fair, LSU is ahead of Ohio State um, right now, but they didn't necessarily do themselves any favors with kind of sleepwalking through a game against Arkansas. It's a very bad football team. And I mean, I'm sure they'll try to play it up to, to get some ratings, but I wouldn't anticipate there'd be much of any change at all. Um, the rankings really the only the highest ranked team to lose is maybe uh, Kentucky. Yeah. Um, and Rocky I mean, they top were, baby. They were already out of the uh, playoff race anyway, and then still had a UCF though. Yeah, that's true. Um, so that some good did come out of the weekends, but these these teams we just talked about were all 16th and and worse. Yeah. Uh, so not necessarily making a huge impact in the playoff race because these teams were already out of it. Um, but I have to ask him. Assuming there's no change, um, if you're top four plus one. Yeah, it's it's the exact same. Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, UCF, Michigan. Okay, yeah, and I, I have the same. Just Notre Dame and Clemson switched. Um, let's talk about Notre Dame. Another impressive win, expected um, over 
Florida State, Brandon Wimbush at quarterback. Little concern there, you know, putting him back in because of how the offense kind of struggled at times. But fortunately, Florida State is so very bad. They're terrible. It didn't really matter. Um, Ian Book expected to be back, taking on Syracuse at Yankee Stadium. Um, I mean, the bigger concern, I would say, is probably going to be on the defensive side of the ball. Syracuse has just been putting up points in bunches. Yeah. Uh, who, who do you like in this game? I like Notre Dame. I think it's strength on strength with Syracuse's run game going up going up against, let's try that again, Notre Dame's run defense. I don't know that Hughes' offensive line can handle the size Notre Dame has up front. That being said, they do like to spread it out, and it's not necessarily a between-the-tackles kind of team. Dungy is a good runner himself, let alone, you know, the running backs and receivers that they bring into play. I don't trust Syracuse's defense whatsoever. I think even Brandon Wimbush, I think, can put up 40 points against this defense. Ian Book can easily do that so long as he's healthy. And if you're Brian Kelly, you've got two capable quarterbacks at this point. You weren't really sure what you had with Wimbush after benching him. Now you know. He can do it against, you know, inferior teams, which is what Syracuse is in this game. So I think Notre Dame wins in a close one. Yeah, I mean, I would expect a shootout because that's it's really all Syracuse has been playing with the exception of the Clemson game, um, which they very nearly stole on the road. Yeah, um, imagine that. But, Top yeah. five game right now. <laughs> but I mean, the uh, after that and then, I think they, they let Clemson beat them twice, and they went ahead and lost to Pitt the following week. But since then, put up 40, 51, 41, and 54 points the last four weeks. Notre Dame's the best defense um, that they faced you know, on that winning streak, so might not be quite that high, but that's definitely an area of concern. Um, Julian Love and company are going to really be tested in the secondary. And then... I mean, yeah, I would, I would hope Ian Book's going to be leading the offense because he has been better um, than Wimbush over the course of their snaps. But, yeah, either either guy is going to be able to, like you said, generate some offense. Really the only big impact player in the Syracuse defense, Andre Sisco, won off the national lead with five interceptions. Um, definitely more of a concern if Wimbush happens to be playing, but... Yeah, I, I think Notre Dame's going to win this like 35-30 or something like that. Yeah, definitely. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a fun one for sure. And Yankee Stadium just kind of adds to the fact that it's going to be a weird game. Going to be a ton of Syracuse fans there, I'm sure. I don't, I don't get this game still. I don't know why it's at Yankee Stadium. Why just put it at fucking MetLife, an actual football field where – People play, you know, let's do that instead. If you want to get to the New York area, do it that way. But here we are. And Notre Dame, oh, Notre Dame's wearing pinstripes too, in case people forgot about that. Nice. Yeah, those uniforms are awful. They are so bad. Um, the only other ranked matchup for next week right now is uh, in the Big 12. An interesting matchup, Iowa State and Texas. going be at Texas. Um, no baseball stadium for this one. Who you got? I'm going Texas. It's weird. I, I think I've picked against Texas pretty much every game this year. Right. But following the scuffle against Baylor, I don't know if they're going to be suspensions handed down for Iowa State, what the deal is. I know Montgomery was in the mix there and definitely had a penalty. 
I don't know what they're going to do. Regardless, I think Texas is the better team. I don't I, – I've not seen Iowa State play consistently good defense at all this year, and I think if it's a shootout, it's more in Texas's favor because Ellinger and company can, can really put up the points. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing giving me pause um, about picking Iowa State, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Uh, they, like Syracuse, are playing – Pretty damn good football right now. Five straight wins since true freshman Brock Purdy took over as a starting quarterback. Um, I mean, his numbers aren't going to blow you away, but takes care of the football. Almost 300 yards of offense last week against Baylor, passing and rushing touchdowns. Um, I mean, Matt Campbell has done a, a phenomenal job at Iowa State. And, I mean, he should very soon take a better job because um, some will become available yeah. for sure. We thought it was uh, – I think we both agreed that it was a little surprising that he didn't leave last year, but it looks like the, the gamble paid off big time here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because um, as much as you can love a place like Iowa State, it's not really somewhere that is easily set up for long-term football success, especially you know being in the Big 12, and it's never going to be a true yeah. power player you know, with the, the Texases and Oklahomas of the world. Um, but I think in this one, they are going to get the, the better of Texas. Tom Herman um, got some fun new off-field distractions. Yeah, uh, just what from, he needs. I mean, that'll, that, maybe that'll it'll spin that into being an underdog here, even though I think his team is going to be favored by a couple points. Yeah, I mean, it, it can be a, a weird type of motivation, I guess. But it's, it's an additional distraction doesn't really need right now. Right. And I think Iowa State's going to, to be able to, to take advantage. Um, yeah, so that's it for football for this week. Uh, game day is going to be at UCF for UCF Cincinnati. Teams are combined 18-1. and one. Cincinnati isn't ranked. So you're, you're quick, your pick really quick. UCF. Never okay. picking against them. Yeah, Sam. Um, okay, so into – college basketball we had the champions classic kansas handled michigan state got a little closer at the end but a win is expected but duke Didn't really cover. yeah Bullshit. duke really stole the show um in the nightcap through two games their their big three is outscoring their opponents by themselves um pretty significantly yeah do you do you think at this point duke is the best team in the country yes i don't can't argue against it. Like, yeah, it's been two games. Like, it's very easy to say. It, you know, Duke did not today did not really look very defensive oriented, and we saw that with how close Army was able to keep it. Obviously, Army was shooting the ball pretty well, also. But again, I mean, if you're playing a better team, this is this is where you kind of have to get defensive minded. I I also believe though that the opponent kind of caused the issues. As well, you know, Duke probably not going to take Army as seriously as they will, you know, an ACC contender or something like that. But it's it's hard to argue against this team, especially with just how much talent they have and then how well the top three players are producing. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, there was going to be a little bit of a letdown um, after right a huge season opener against Kentucky. But I mean... At this point in the season, Duke has the best win um, out of anybody. So, I mean, even though Kansas did beat a ranked team, it's Michigan State, not really perceived 
as high as um, Kentucky. So got to take that into consideration. And I mean, they were very, very, very impressive in just absolutely dismantling them. Um, RJ Barrett led them in scoring was almost just an afterthought because of how emphatic Zion's play was at both ends. Um, but he was super yeah, efficient be, in that game too. It yeah. was crazy. Yeah. Kind of a, a variety to his game that not many people were necessarily expecting or were kind of unsure whether he had that, but he showed some good range, um, which is going to make him even harder to defend than it already is. But yeah, that's uh Duke's a uh, pretty scary team at this point. Great. <laughs> Yeah, super fun when uh, IU has to go to Cameron Indoor uh, for the ACC Big Ten Challenge. I think it's like three of the last four years or something they've played them, but great, be fun. That's going to be even better. Yeah. Uh, last time at Cameron, it went very well. Um, but the uh, the conference matchup we have this week is our favorite, uh, the Gavit Games. Still only eight games, even yep. though both conferences have more teams. Um just going to mention that again. Uh, some some heavy hitters will not be participating just because it's impossible from a, a numbers perspective. Michigan State not going to be participating. Uh, Still have yet Big to play. Ten. Yeah, I mean, I think the Champions Classic kind of yeah. supersedes that. Um, no Butler for the Big East. So without those teams, just we're, we're talking about this before we started uh, recording. Is it going to be yet another 4-4 tie as it has been? At at this point, I would be happy with the 4-4 tie. I've been very pissed off with the 4-4 ties strictly because it's conferences with 10 and 14 teams. How could we not make it nine and just have one team in the Big East sit out every year and cycle five out of the Big Ten? I don't get why that doesn't make sense. Always have a winner. It's a contest for a reason. Someone should win. Uh, I would like a tie this year, though. <laughs> I would very much like a tie. It looks very strongly that it's going to the Big Ten. I think the key games are Seton Hall, Nebraska, DePaul, Penn State, and Marquette, Indiana. I think those are the three swing games. Whichever conference can take two or more of those will end up winning because I think the other ones are very, very easily decided on each side. I'd, yeah, I'd throw Georgetown, Illinois in there too. Um, it's playing at Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, but went with Georgetown for that one. As it stands right now, I've got Big Ten 5-3, which obviously there is inherent bias there. Um, but out of out of the games you mentioned, you said uh, Penn State, DePaul, Indiana, Marquette, and what was the third one? Seton Hall, Nebraska. Okay. Well, I have the Big Ten in all three of those games, so mm-hmm. that would that would check out with that theory. Um, are you are you more hoping uh, for 4-4, or but just looking at each game, you can, can see a scenario where that plays out? I'm hoping for 4-4. I can see it happening, but, like, you'd need, you'd need Seton Hall and Marquette, essentially, to play their best games. I don't know... I really don't know too much about Penn State this year, but I'd assume they have to be better than DePaul. DePaul can score, but that's about it. I, I don't see them playing much of any defense. And, you know, the St. John's is going to blow out Rutgers. I think Villanova beats Michigan in a good game. 
I think uh, Wisconsin beats Xavier, Georgetown beats Illinois. You know, it's it's those three that I really see. If someone has an off night, that's where it goes. But Seton Hall is going to need a ton from their big players. Uh, someone besides Miles Powell is going to have to do it. If you know Indiana is going to have to hold Marcus Howard in check because outside of him, no one has really looked that great on Marquette, and they certainly are not prone. Like they're not a defensive team whatsoever. They get hot shooting. That's where their chance is. But Indiana has the inside advantage. They have the guard play. I mean, I I think your Hoosiers can win this one by 10 plus. Yeah. And I mean, that's what happened the last time. Um, They played a a pretty decent Creighton team at home. They won by like 23 or something, Mm -hmm. Um, but really not sure how they're going to react initially because they've played two horrendously bad teams so far, Chicago state and Montana state, which at least is actually a state. Um, Yes. That's progress there. Good start. Um, But it was all about the offense against Chicago State def- defense in the second one. Montana State does have Tyler Hall, who's not, you know, as good as Marcus Howard, but pretty damn good for where he plays college basketball. Um, yeah. And given how young Indiana's roster is, for the most part, or, or the rotation outside of, you know, like Fitzner, Morgan, McRoberts, I could see them, them starting slowly, so it'll – It'll help a lot that they're at home. I'm sure the crowd will give them some energy, but I'm a little little nervous about that one. Yeah, again, it's this is the problem Sinal has every year when they play Marquette, especially in Milwaukee. Marquette just shoots a ton of fucking threes, and if they can hit 35% of them, all of a sudden they're up by 10 points, yeah. and you have no idea where it came from. Like They don't play spe- spectacular defense by any stretch of the imagination, but they just score very quickly. Yeah, and that's so demoralizing too. Exactly. You know, guys are just raining in threes. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that's where it helps to have the home crowd where a couple buckets getting it back, all of a sudden there's some more energy and and life in the building. Yeah, I'm just taking a quick look, and I think that's about the most even Ken Palm matchup. It's pretty close, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, Indiana 26, Marquette 28, and then Seton Hall, Nebraska is. 35 versus 40 um, Ohio state Creighton 32, 37. So, I mean, these are, uh, these are going to be competitive for the most part. I would say, I think Villanova, I'd be shocked if they lose St. John, same thing. Um, mm-hmm. But for the most part, these should be very competitive as they, as they seem to be year in and year out. Right. So we'll, we'll probably get to the, the four, four tie, but I mean, realistically, some it of the wins five, and losses three. will be, yeah. We'll see that stranger things have happened. I was, I was confident about the big 10 last year too, um, which is probably a pattern, but we'll see. I'm ready for uh, these tournaments to start. Yes. Next week we can start talking about some of the, uh, the Maui's and Atlantis's of the world. Yeah. Thanksgiving week basketball. Yeah, everybody already talking about uh, Duke and Auburn. That's going to be a fun in one. In Maui, second round, so naturally Auburn's going to lose to yep. whoever they're playing game one. <laughs> Chaminade. Yeah, okay, so that would yeah, that'd be... I actually don't know if they're playing them, but it feels like that's what it'll be. Um, yeah, so that's our show for this week. Hopefully Notre Dame wins, so we're not miserable when we're recording this next week. Um, yeah. Same for UCF. We will... Uh, We'll see you next week.